When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very good friend of mine uh, and client and just all-round legend, Damien Roy Lance. Damo is the founder um, of Entourage Finance. He was also, what I've been told, uh, which is equivalent to winning the Brownlow, I've, I've heard. He was the NFAA Broker of the Year in 2021, which is an incredible, uh, incredible achievement. Um, and I think the... The success of Entourage speaks for itself. So, Damo, welcome to the show, brother. Danny, thanks for having us. It's uh, we've talked about this for a long time. So we have finally uh, good to be here. You've been, palm- you've been palming me off for a long time, <laughs> so I'm glad we've nailed it today. Yeah, I think you've got some very good guests on your show, so I'm just privileged to be here, mate. But just on the award, it's probably better than the Brownlow. Oh, um, be- <laughs> there's, better. There's sixteen thousand okay. brokers out there, so there's right. not that many footy players. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't actually bring the award today, just for the visuals, <laughs> oh, to be honest. Oh, it's at the office. I'll bring it next time. <laughs> Hang on. <it's> just here. <laughs> uh, mate, so, so for everyone listening, um, I thought Damo would be an awesome um, guest to have on the show because, you know, for someone like myself who doesn't always trying to learn a lot more about property and finance and, and how that whole process works and how to eventually build up a bit of a property portfolio and also get a better understanding of the process. As, as I often do, I get guests on who I can learn from. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of you guys will be able to take away a lot of value as well. So before we kind of get stuck into the meat of the conversation, Damo, are you able to just give the listener a bit of an overview of what Entourage Finance offers in terms of your services and, and um, yeah. what roles like you guys take out? So predominantly we're mortgage brokers. So for those who don't know, like there's, there's two ways you can get a loan. The traditional way was you go to the bank, you know, the branches. Yeah. Um, or you use a mortgage broker. Directly. Directly, yep. yeah. So... We, as a mortgage broker, have 60 lenders that we can do a loan through, mm-hmm. but we don't work for any of those banks. So you come to me, you want to buy a home, um, we look at your situation, we go through, we ask for your pay slips, et cetera, your income, mm-hmm. your liabilities, and then we assess that and then we will give you a recommendation of probably three to four lenders we think are suitable for you. So at the moment, mortgage brokers are doing about 70% of loans in Australia. That, that figure's just been right. slowly rising. When I started, it was 30%. Mm-hmm. I started about 15 years ago. And so more and more people are just using mortgage brokers to do that. So it's actually a free service to use a mortgage broker, which some people don't realise. It's a free service? Yeah. So we will get a commission from the lender. So okay. the way we describe it is, I mean, banks love lending. So then they make all their money. Mm. Like the, we just saw CBA made $9.6 billion profit for one year. <laughs> so they're making a bit of money. But if you think about they've got branches to the overheads of running a branch, whereas as a mortgage broker, they don't pay for our office expenses, all our overheads, etc. But we can package up a deal and give it to CBA, for instance. Um, and then they get they get the home loan for the customer and then they pay us a commission. So right. it's basically okay. like, yeah. I mean, the same would be if you if they run the branch, they yeah. pay everyone. Yes. They just yep. pay us the commission. Right. And so there's no real difference between the bank's commissions at the moment. They're pretty much all the same. Okay. So we have no vested interest <laughs> in to go into one bank. We just mm-hmm. really have to look for the best um, the best product for the client. 
Interesting. So as a so entourage, that's so your mortgage broker. But I, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there other aspects of the yeah. within the business that you guys offer as well to kind of take care of the whole package? Yeah. So there's a Antoinette runs the buyers advocate division. Mm-hmm. So and what's that? So that's like um, I know you had Matt Pillars on the other day. He's a real estate agent, but mm-hmm. Antoinette would be and uh, and Lara the team there are buyers advocates where they would source the property. Say you want to buy a knowing you a four million dollar house <laughs> down in Albert Park or something. So we, we can go and, you know, you're very time poor, you're working very hard. So as a buyer's advocate, um, they would be, they would engage the team to go and find the property, right. make sure it's a good one. <clears throat> On my so, behalf. Yeah. So there's either, they can obviously save you time, but the, the real thing I think is always about buying the right asset. When you buy property, it's, it's generally your biggest, you know, purchase in your life. Yeah. So you want to make sure, you know, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, especially for every first time buyer, like, that first property has to be a good one as a stepping stone to the next one. Yes. So property, as we know, can you can make a lot of money through property. Getting it right sets you up for life. Getting it wrong can like, you really set you back. Give you some headaches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. So, so you mentioned before about like the process of um, the mortgage broker. So say right now, because this is something that I, I want to know myself and as again, again, I think the audience will take some value from it as well, particularly those who have not purchased their first home. So yep. What is the process from kind of start to finish um, for me if I decide today, if I've got enough money uh, for a deposit yep. and whatnot, what is the process for me to buy my first home right from the day one Day one when I come to you guys? Yeah, so the process will be, as I think Matt Pillar said, the first step's about engaging an agent. I think the first step when you're looking to buy a property is engage, whether it's a your mortgage broker, to know what you can actually spend before you go looking at property. Yeah. So a client comes to us, they want to they want to buy. Generally, some people, most people have a price in their mind they want to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like we, a range? Yeah. yeah. You, normally, you have some general idea. Yeah. Um, but we will ask for all your, you know, all your details, mm-hmm. your income, your liabilities, your bank statements, et cetera. So nowadays it's to get a home loan, you need to provide us everything. Um, we know there's no right. there's no secrets anymore. Yeah, so yeah. and the way banking works, they share all the information. So we'll we'll do a credit check on everyone mm-hmm. to see. So you've got to keep your bank accounts nice and clean. Yeah. So that it, it shows two years for every transaction account you've got or credit card you've got if you've been late and it goes okay. against you. So it's against goes against you on the score. So just on that, just quickly, sorry. Yeah. Um, with the credit score, say for example, you've got someone who was late on a couple of payments with their yeah. credit card, but since then they've been crystal yeah. crystal clean. That's is that the word? Yeah, crystal yeah. Clear? You can, you can explain that. There's there's difference between late and like a default. So okay, if you're just late on a credit card, it might just show that you've been late, but it's it doesn't not go the end against of the your credit score. No, it's it's when you've got defaults, like you haven't paid a. There's a lot of utility bills that always show up for people when they've moved, especially if you rent a lot. Mm-hmm. Or if you've literally not paid a credit card and the bank's kind of taken action against you. Yeah. Being late's one thing, but having defaults is like a, yeah, a, okay. a bit more of a black mark. Cool. And so you want to make sure your accounts are nice and clean. There's the big ones are at the moment, like sports bet. I've got a lot of mates who, you know, banks don't like betting and gambling. Right. So you got to try and. Um, so I should start using my PayPal account. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and also things like Afterpay, all these things actually go against you. Right. People don't realise that afterpay is a, a real bad and zip pay and all those ones. Even if people are making their payments. Yep. It's wow. just it's it actually goes on your credit rating. People don't think it's a loan, but it is. Mm. Um so yeah, that's kind of been the new thing lately, the buy now, pay later schemes. Yeah. Um but once we've got everything for you and we go, Yep, you're good to go, we'll present you those three options. Yeah. And we'll 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 tell you what your maximum borrowing capacity is. So say you can borrow up to a million dollars. Um and then with your savings, then we can kind of work out 
if you can buy for borrow a million, then you might be able to buy for one point two five million, for instance. Right. So there's um <clears throat> there's definitely a lot of different ways you can do lending. The most traditional way is that you come up with a twenty percent deposit. Yeah. So twenty percent cash. Yep. So a lot of people don't don't have that <laughs> yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, and that was something that I wanted to touch on is is exactly like how much what percentage of the house that people need to have and if there's ways around it, if you're yeah. unable to save the 20%. Yeah, there's definitely ways around it. I think 20%'s been there forever. Like mm-hmm. when my parents would buy and they, they just had to buy, have 20%. Mm-hmm. Whereas now if you don't have 20%, you can still get a house, but there's a thing called mortgage insurance, lender's mortgage insurance. Yeah. So if you went up to, you can go up to about 95%. So Borrowed. You can go up to 95 right. a house, yeah. Okay. But you'd have a big fee. Yeah. So the bank would charge you. And the fee changes depending on the percentage and the loan amount so it gets more and more closer you are to 100 and the more you borrow right um and then on top of that there's now there's some government schemes mm-hmm. so there's been a really good federal government scheme the government's always tried to help people get into the market yeah some have been pretty ordinary but the one at the moment where there's a federal scheme where they will they will guarantee that 15 percent. okay yeah so say you don't you say you've only got five percent mm-hmm. the government um will guarantee the other 15 so he's got no mortgage insurance which is like a, a parent would do that for their kid, yep. generally. Yep. They, they put their house up as security mm-hmm. for the bank, but the government does it now. So that, that's been really popular, but you've got to... You've got on that, though, does the government then own part of your house? No, so that's a different one. So the federal, this one that I'm talking about now is there's obviously a lot of restrictions. There's a price point. You can't go over <laughs> you know, a certain price. Yeah. You can't earn a certain amount of income. Okay. Um, and they only release a certain amount of spots at each time. Um, the one you're talking about was when Labor got in recently. Mm-hmm. They take equity. Right. I'm not a huge fan of that. So they could take up to 40% equity of your house. Can you buy it back? Oh, it's, I don't think so. So wow. say, say you make you know a million dollars, um, they'll take 40% of the profit when you sell. Right, selling. okay. The grey area for me is like, well, if someone renovates a house, is the government shipping in 40% for the renovation yeah, costs? Yeah, true. Which I, don't, I haven't done one yet. That's only pretty new since the, the election like a few months I ago. haven't done one for a client. No. I, I probably would try to steer away. <laughs> steer away from it, yeah. yeah. So I haven't done one yet, no. Yeah. There's a lot of grey areas how it works. Right. And so you get approved for the loan, you choose yep. basically so, who you're going to go with. or And that's where like I think the first step for any first home buyer or anyone who, want, anyone who wants to buy a house, you get pre-approved. Mm-hmm. So the bank goes, well, yep, here's your limit. Now go and find the house. Right. And that's where, you know, Matt would say, engage the agent and yep. get, talk to someone you want. Mm-hmm. Property is such a it's, – it's, it's a beast, I think. You've got to go out there and experience it. Yep. You know, it's very hard to buy property. You can't just go out one weekend and buy a house, generally. You want to go to a few auctions and a few inspections get a feel for it all. Mm. So prior to even having the pre-approval, or maybe you already have got it, but prior to basically making the decision on what you want to buy, you can get out there, go to some open homes, go to some auctions, inspections uh, and stuff, and just suss it out? Yeah, well, I, I think get a pre-approval. Like it's, I, I always think finance is the first step because – Otherwise, people, people waste their time, yeah. you know. If people can't get finance, you're wasting all your <laughs> yeah, weekends going yeah. out looking at houses. So um, definitely for, first step for me is finance. Know, know what you can do mm-hmm. and then you can go and search for those houses or p- apartments in that price range. Post buying the house, so say I come through you, work through Entourage, I, yep. I end up purchasing the house and moved in all sweet. Is there, is there any, like do you guys have any form of process with the, with the buyer after they've bought the house? 100%. Now, um, so with broking, I, I explained how we get an up. We get a commission from the bank. Mm-hmm. We actually also get a trail commission to look after that client forever. As right. long as they're a client of ours, mm-hmm. we get a little bit of payment. Yep. Um, so we do a heap of post-settlement work, we call it. So clients are with us. They call us rather than the bank. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine now with rates going up, we've done a lot of repricing. So 
Yeah. Banks are, banks are funny. They never kind of, they don't, never come to a client and go, oh, Danny, I'm just going to reduce your rate by 1% now. Yeah. They never do that. Yeah. But like over time, there's discounts and banks that got really competitive. So we, we call the bank on the behalf of the client and right. reduce their rate. So it's up to, obviously, it's up to the, the buyer or in this case, entourage to yep. be seeking out whether or not the, they could get a lesser rate yep. and they refinance. Yeah, they either refinance or we just get a lot cheaper rate with that lender. Oh, you can just get the cheaper rate. Yep. But you don't get it unless you've asked. Yeah, because over the years, like, there's discounts of, say, like, you know, you might get 1% off the standard rate with a bank. Yep. And as time's gone on the last, especially the last three years, those discounts have got quite big. Mm. So if you haven't touched it from three years ago or two years ago, the discounts now are a lot bigger. Yeah. So you've got to keep on your loan all the time to mm. save money. And yep. obviously there's rate. People are more focused at it now because yep. we've come from a very low interest rate environment in the last yep. two years. Like 2% is just unheard of. Or one. We had rates in the ones. Yeah. It's basically free money almost. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of talk now. The media gets very negative. The media just loves negative yeah. catch rates. Like, like, like anything. Like they just, and so they talk about property prices going down, crashing. Yeah. And that's a lot of negative sentiment from the media. But really, like we're, I think we're at a rate of like currently in the threes or fours. Mm. Traditionally, that's really quite low still. Right. Um, I think my first house when I was in my 20s, I fixed it in for 7.79. Shit. So Fixed. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then the GFC happened and then went down to 5%. So okay. it's when the world, everything, everything was booming in 2007. The stock market was going crazy. And, so yeah. on that topic then, say, you know, you said at the moment, the media is, is kind of hyping up the fact that it's a shit market and yep. it's not a great time. What's your opinion? Like, do you think at the moment it is a good time to be looking for a house? And if not, yep. when do you kind of forecast would be a, a good time for someone that is ready or looking to buy to actually get in the market? Yeah, a couple of things there. Obviously, we always say that whenever you're ready is the, the right time to buy. It's mm-hmm. very hard to time the market. Yep. You're going to see a peak. You're going to see a trough. Um, we're down at the moment. But, you know, we're coming off the back of some huge gains in yeah. COVID. So we're somewhere between – depends on the suburb, but you're between 30 or well, 25 and 30% gains. And so if we're down 5% or even more, even 10%, if we drop 10%, you're still up 20%. You know, 20%. Yeah. So it's still a good investment over the – and that's why everyone looks at this short-term thing. Property is such a long-term yeah. investment. Mm. Um, the the market's been dead over winter. It's back to that old. It normally is pretty dead over winter. Property. Right. You can see everyone's in Mykonos or somewhere at the moment. So yeah. I think as people come back, and as the footy finishes in Melbourne, especially, we're very right. our, our property market's very easy to track because of school holidays and footy finals. Interesting. Once the footy finals finish and the school holidays finish mm. you've got a clear run all the way to december right so there'll be a lot more stock coming on the market mm-hmm. it's definitely a buyer's market at the moment like yeah they're not the auctions last year were going crazy yeah um but i think it, i think it's a good time to buy this by the end of this year okay um i think as we get to used to these high interest rates we just get used to things again mm, it's just adapt. the new norm you, just adapt, you know it's yeah. like petrol prices the cost of living you just you just do it now so yeah a lot of people are saying, a lot of the economists from the big banks are saying we're going to cap out in November. Right. So that will be the last of the – we'll have okay. another interest rate rise next month and we'll go up to, you know, almost 5% or so as a, as a rate, 45 5%. So if, so if the rates are going to be continuing to climb up and you were ready to buy now, would it not be more beneficial to buy now before it goes up another percent? Um, yeah, well, buy now. By the time you bought and settled, the oh, rates yeah. would have gone up. Yeah. But normally you've got to try and – if we're going to stabilise now and there's a positive sentiment comes back by 2023 next year, mm. you're normally too late. You know, like everyone jumps on 
when everyone else jumps on. Mm-hmm. So if no one's jumping on as much now, probably now is the time to do it. Yeah. But look, I'm, I'm in property, so I want everyone yeah, to always yeah, buy. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think you said before that um, – I can't remember what the actual stats were in terms of how much, uh, what was it, 80% of people use a mortgage 70, broker? Yeah, 70%. Yeah. Why do you think it's climbed so much? Well, it's because it's, we're, we're unbiased. So when you go into a major bank, yep. they're only going to sell you one product. Yep. They can't sell you another bank's product. Mm-hmm. We can sell 60 bank products. Um, and we're kind of educated to take you through the process. We give you more time than you will at a bank. And then you've got an ongoing service provider after the loan. Yes. You know, you can't kind of get in your hand you, held you, through the process. If you call a bank's phone line now, you're on hold for like an hour. Yeah. You're not going to get the same person. They're not going to know who yeah. you are. Yeah. So it's a more personalised service. And <clears throat> mortgage brokers have gone through a bit of an education process. So we're very compliant. So legally, we have to give you the best product now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got good contacts. You know, we've been doing it a long time. So we can talk to you about your, your finances, your tax, your other, other things as well and property. Mm. Whereas the bank won't do that. They'll just sell you their products. Do you, do you work with any any clients or people that come in who are not yet ready to buy? Oh, heaps, yeah. Right, so how, so does, that, how does that process work from your end? It's, um, it's just getting them ready. So there's a... Setting like, them up with systems and stuff for saving and stuff? Yeah, and like if you want to buy for X amount and you've got X amount of savings, we can kind of work with you to say, well, this is what you need to do a month, have a bit of a savings plan okay, to make sure that you're ready in mm-hmm. six months, 12 months, whenever it is. Yep. Um, and we talk about that you know, clear credit. Make yeah. sure it gets your accounts in order. If you've got any no more, kind of... Same game, Maltese. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by Sportsman Day today. Yeah, um, yeah but it, it is that stuff. Like, so don't do your sports, but clear out your credit cards, <laughs> afterpay, et cetera. Yeah. Um, make sure that you've got a... When you present to the bank, that you, they present your best light. Okay. What's the big difference, or is there um, a big difference in looking to buy when you're, it's um, purely for an investment home compared to a home you want to live in? Yeah, it's different. Um, I think, uh, yeah, you, you brought this up with Matt the other day about it's the term is rent vesting. It's a very popular thing for young people at the moment to rent vest. Yeah. Um, so what that means is, you know, you're living like Port Melbourne or, you know, South Yarra or, you know, these kind of Richmond's, these cool areas where all the bars and all the cafes are, et cetera. But you might not want to buy an apartment there if you can't afford it. Yeah. Those places are very expensive for houses. Mm. So you might go buy a house on the outer suburb with a bit of land. Mm-hmm. which might be a better investment long-term. Yep. But you still... And it's still your first place. So, but your first house is a, a rental property, an investment property. Yeah. And you still rent where you live. So a lot of people do that. So that's called rent vesting. Yeah. So live where you want to live, but buy a place where it might actually show better growth. For someone that was wanting to use, say, for example, one of the government grants, like a first home buyer's grant. Can't do that. You can't do no. that if it's a rental. Yeah, yeah. So if someone was to move in for six months to 12 months and then move out, does that, is that kind of yeah, a bit of a loophole? Or? It is, yeah. So I think as a the, – the, your home is – it's called your principal place of residence. Mm. It's probably the only investment that we have in Australia that is tax-free. Yep. So whether you – you know, when you sell it, you basically – all the money is tax-free. Okay. So that's why I always, I think it's always good to have one principal place of residence. Mm-hmm. And there is a loophole with the, the tax office where if you were, say you moved in for 12 months and then you rented it out, the government will still, the ATO will still make that your principal place up to six years. Okay. So you can have it as your principal place for six years, even though you're getting rental income from it. Interesting. Unless you, unless you bought another house. Yeah. So that's a real, that's the best loophole you can get in the tax system. Yeah. For someone that was looking to do that, um, what do you call it? Rent vesting? Yep. Someone who is looking to do that, 
is it is there more or less kind of research that has to go into the area, the the market and, and all that type of stuff if it's purely just as something that you're barely even going to touch or go to? Yeah, it's, it's sometimes easier, you know, especially with Antoinette and the, the buyer's advocate service, if you just want to buy an investment property and there's no emotional attachment to it, mm-hmm. it is a lot easier just to buy an investment. Yeah. All you want to do is that you don't care if it's got, you know, a bit of a daggy kind of wallpaper on it. Yeah. But it might be a big block of land. Okay. Because um, there's no emotion in that. Mm. You just want to make as much money as you can. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whereas when you buy a home, there's so much more emotion that goes into it. You've got to like the street. You've got to like everything else about it all. So, yeah, it's, it's easier, I think, to buy that investment property. Easier. Yep. Interesting. But where, where to buy? The million dollar question is where, where to buy. Where to buy? So where do you buy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You don't what's, know? What, what's your budget? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, <coughs> look, there's suburbs like, you know, we, one of the guys at work bought down in Rye four years ago and he's been, you know, very lucky. Yeah. Obviously with COVID. Yeah. It might come back a bit, but he's, yeah. he's probably doubled in four years. Wow. He bought like an old beach shack in Rye for 550. Shit. Mm. What um, was I going to say about the, the rent vesting? Um, I've lost it. Okay, coming back to this one. So for someone who has bought their first home, yep. um, are you able to go into a bit of detail around how like um, using leverage like with the equity of your, your first home if it's gone up in value yep. and stuff like that to then make it easier to purchase? Because I think when I definitely – I have a good understanding of it all now. Yep. But um, before I had that understanding, I was always thinking like, well, how is it easier to buy a second when you're yeah. paying all this money into your first one to where you're meant to get all this extra money to buy a second yeah, yeah. one? So how does that work? I mean, that's um, that's what everyone does. Obviously, they, that's why that first property is always a good one. Or you need to make sure it's a good one so that you can leverage to go for yeah. the second and the third, et cetera, et cetera. So if we go back to that 80% rule, so that 80% is the magic number with lending. Banks feel safe at 80%. So they have – so say the house is worth a million bucks, 800000 is what you can leverage up to. Yeah. So say if you've only got a $500,000 mortgage on that million dollar house, you can borrow another 300000 from that bank to leverage. So that you've got $300,000 as a deposit for the next one, and then you go 80% on the next one. So just say, let's just use a million dollars for ease. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you've got a $500,000 home loan. Yep. You leverage $300,000 out of that house up to 80%, up to 800,000. Then on the next house, million dollars, you borrow 800,000. And the gap between there is what that 300,000 covers. So now you've, okay. got, now you've got two houses worth $2 million and $1.6 million of debt across okay. two. Yeah. So 800,000 each. Yeah, right. And then, and then does that continually assets. get easier, say, if you go from the second to the third, or is it kind of just a very similar process from the first same. to second? Well, now, 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 now you've got two properties, so you've got double. You yeah. just need to get another. Now you've got $2 million working for you. Yeah. And so that goes up. Now you need this house to only go up 10%, this one go up 10%. Yeah. Rather than 20%, the first one had to go up 20%. So right. it does get easier as you kind of build that portfolio. For someone, let's say someone uh, has quite wealthy parents or family. Yep. And they don't have the money for their deposit. And they, how does the process work if they were to borrow? Um, is that a similar thing? So I could borrow equity out of my parents' home to then yeah. purchase mine. But then does that mean, so for example, for whatever reason, I don't make payments on the home that I bought, yeah. that their house is also <laughs> basically up, up up on the hook. Yeah. yeah. So that's a guarantor loan. We do, I mean, I've done a lot of guarantor loans over my career because, you know, working in Inamount, we work in Cremorne and yeah. a lot of our 
friends and contacts are, you know, they've all grown up in inner Melbourne. The parents have got a lot of equity yeah. in their houses and they want to help out their kids. Mm. So pretty much you could buy a house. I'll just use a million dollars again. If you've got zero savings, <laughs> you can still get a home loan <laughs> if your income can service it. So technically... Do the banks not look at that? Even if I'm taking equity from, say, if I took equity from my parents' home. They do, Do yeah. the banks not look at the fact that this guy's you've not going to be able to pay? Yeah, they, they, they do and they... You've got to have a good reason why you're doing it. Yeah, you know, there's there is reasons why people can do it, mm-hmm. but if you buy bought for a million, you can technically we don't do it very often. You can borrow 105. percent So stamp duty on a million is about fifty five thousand. So you could borrow the stamp duty as well. So you've got technically negative equity, right? But say mum and dad's house is worth four million dollars. Yeah, um, the bank will leverage that. Yeah, so they're pretty safe. They got four million dollars over here. Yeah, you're one million dollars, and they've only got a a million and fifty thousand dollar loan, for instance. Right. So, but what happens now is like if you the kid doesn't pay their mortgage, technically, the bank can all they need to do is get their money back. So how I explain is, you sell this house for a million dollars, and there's fifty thousand dollars outstanding. Mm-hmm. If you can come up with fifty grand, the bank's not going to sell mum and dad's house. Okay. So yeah. it's not. Yeah. People think the banks love to sell up people's houses. It's definitely yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um. They don't like to be on a current affair. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can just get the money back, yeah. you're clear. You mentioned before about uh, someone who may not be in a position to – not in a position yet to pay a deposit. Firstly, actually on that, do you always recommend that if you have the 20% that you should be taking – like going with that option, is that the number one option to have the 20%? Um, there is other options where you can actually go up to – some banks have a special 85%. Um, it's, it's, it's always a different, it's, it depends on the circumstance to yeah. be honest, because sometimes if people will have the money of the 20%, but they'll still pay mortgage insurance for instance, because they want to save cash to right. have up their sleeve. Mm-hmm. And so say mortgage insurance might be 10 grand, but you know, they might want to keep a hundred grand up their sleeve and they pay 10 grand to have mortgage insurance, which adds onto the loan. You don't actually pay mortgage yeah. insurance, it just adds yeah. to the loan. So in circumstances where people have bought an old house and they want cash to renovate, that's where they might do that scenario. Okay. But it's up to everyone. Everyone's different. Yeah. Depends on what they want to do. But cash is, we've seen over the last kind of two years that having cash up your sleeves quite yeah. handy. Yeah. So people like to keep it to themselves if they can. Do you predict that at the moment they're like with inflation and stuff, things are just going to continue to get worse for a little bit or how do you, how do you, what do you forecast for the next kind of couple of years? <laughs> Definitely the cost of living is starting to pinch a few people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I can't see these things, these prices going, like the, the cost of living, all the food, all the petrol. It's probably going to stay like this for, I've got, I've got a good mate who works in all, the, all, the, all the, the Safeways and that, and he says once the food gets to this point, they're not going to bring it back down. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the new, even if their kind of costs go back to normal, why would you bring it back down? It's, it's interesting, um, protein, <laughs> uh, like whey protein. Yeah. And I was speaking to someone within the industry the other day who has a supplement company and they were talking about how it's now costing upwards of $50 a kilo for for the wholesale price of the protein. Really? So like you'd typically buy a tub of protein for whatever, 60 bucks, and yeah. their, their margins might have been, they might have been paying like $20, yeah. $20, right? So they're making 40 bucks off a tub yeah. to the point now where they're, some of these companies, if they don't raise their prices significantly, we'll be making like $2, $2 off, a, off a tub of protein. Yeah, well, it's, and he says it could be shipping. It's coming shipping back down. Shipping's really gone up a lot as well. Mm. So these all these food products are like, if they're shipping, yeah, it's gone through the roof. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. There's so much going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, 
When we talked before about the rent vesting, yeah. is that something that you would or wouldn't recommend for someone who's, who hasn't, who's it's literally their first home? No, I, I think it's good. I, I, I really do like them to get that first 12 months, somehow stay at your home yeah. for the first 12 months <laughs> yeah. and then go back and rent where you want to live. But okay. So, yeah, it's, you can't just fake it and just go put, you know, put people Send in. Send your letters there. Yeah. <laughs> the government's really smart now. Like, yeah. there used to be these first home buyers grants and people always used to try and get around the system. Yeah. But now that with the governments and all the data sharing, people will know if you're, or the governments will know if you're living somewhere else now. Mm. Asked you before about when um, or where the best place is to buy. Yep. Um, Taking it back a step, what is there certain um, homes or certain types of homes that you would recommend not buying? So, for example, yeah. like a, an apartment in the city or yeah. is there certain things that you kind of yeah, usually try and push people away from? Well, <clears throat> traditionally, like, land is what we what you'd go for. Like, I mean, I started – I bought my first place was an apartment and I bought another apartment and then a townhouse. Um, and this was back before 2010. I think there's been a huge development of apartments in the last mm. decade or so. Um, there's definitely no shortage there's no shortage and you know what drives prices in any market whether it's property or anything is supply and demand Mm -hmm. so they're not making any more land (laughs) (laughs) so that's a short supply and if you do get land you put bloody a tower on there now so that's why I think land is probably your number one thing and that can be anywhere in inner Melbourne there's there's good places all around Melbourne Mm -hmm. or even on the outer skirts as well so I would probably stay away from some of these city apartments great to rent in yourself because yeah you get all the amenities of a yeah. beautiful apartment but you don't have to pay all the uh, the body corporate, body corporate yeah. yeah so yes city city apartments were dead over the last kind of two years mm-hmm. um so you can buy a city apartment whenever you want yeah <laughs> and i've gone down in value when we when i was talking to you before about the equity and the leverage off equity of your your maybe first home yep use myself for example obviously grew up in horsham I'm not 100% sure like what the, the market has done, but I can't imagine it would be like skyrocketing. So is it worth, would it be worth me purchasing a home in Horsham? Yeah. Uh, look, at some of the regional things have gone really well during COVID, mm. but I don't know how Horsham's gone, how big it is. Um, like places like Geelong and Ballarat. Geelong well. seems to be going super well. Yeah. And then places like Woodend, like these treescapes. Yeah. You've either got your, your seascapes or your treescapes. Yeah. So those kind of places which are quite nice and yeah, you know, yeah. that villagey feel have done really well. Yeah. But I feel, you know, and everyone went to Queensland. <laughs> yeah. I feel it'll come back. And yeah. People are already starting to come back from Queensland. Come back, yeah. That'd so get old. There was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, I thought, in COVID. Like, you're like, well, six months. Full on, wasn't it? For like, in six months, you just up your life and move somewhere just because yeah. you're sick of sick the government. Or, yeah. So it's, sick of your husband or your wife. It's kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> Divorce went through the roof as well. <laughs> oh, I know. That's mental, isn't it? Um, what I was going to say to you is within, um, within Entourage, like, uh, where, how do you see the the business continuing to grow or the company continuing to grow? Obviously, more and more clients, but is there certain yep. aspects of the business that you're looking to develop or change or, or yeah. add to? So we're bringing in a legal arm again, so okay. like conveyancing. So that's, okay. the, that's the other part of the property buying service that you need to do. You need to get a conveyancer to look over your contract and then transfer the property into your name. So we'll, we've got that coming back in the next kind of month or so, mm-hmm. which will be great. Um and Vinny, you know Vinny, I think yeah. he's um he started up a Mornington branch, so he's heading awesome. up a, a Mornington branch. Oh nice! He's that guy I was talking about who bought in Rye. Oh really? I claim it. I, I told him to do it, <laughs> Vinny. So um, uh, <laughs> commission for sure. So he's uh 
yeah, so he's kind of living between South Yarra and um, Mornington. Ah, oh, right, sorry. Mm. And so he's got a Mornington branch now. So that's what we're kind of doing. We're kind of, um, yeah, the, the guys who have had for, I've got a very loyal team. They've yeah. been around for over five and six years. So mm-hmm. they might want to do their own thing and start little yeah. satellite offices. Yeah. We've got Nicole who, um, she's in delinquent. <laughs> really? So yeah, right. We've got an entourage in, yeah. Den- in Denny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just saw we're sponsoring the Ute Muster. I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> you'll be there. No, it's on grand final day. So, oh yeah, but um, the prize won't be there anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me, <laughs> you owe me hundred bucks. That's my, that's <laughs> my fault. <laughs> I walked into that. I'll give it to you. Um, so Sandy. unfortunately, you know, you know the funny Thank story you, about Jamie this. Elliot. <laughs> oh, fucking Jamie. You know the funny story about this. So, for everyone listening, Damo is a diehard uh, Pies supporter, um, which is unfortunate for everyone, but. <laughs> We had, a, we had a bet on the last <laughs> Essendon and, and Collingwood game. And you know what? So we had – first quarter, we did – I don't think we scored. So I, I text you going like – yeah. I text you saying something like, oh, you've got a good head start. Last quarter, with 10 minutes to go, we're up by four goals. And, mate, i got to tell you, I'd had the message typed out saying <laughs> about to send you the message 10 minutes ago, basically send you my account details, yeah. saying just transfer <laughs> it now. I'm so bloody glad I didn't do that. You never do that against Collingwood at the moment. Oh, we we mate, just find a way to win. Unbelievable run, hey? It's good. What it's 12, uh, 12 or 13. Yep. The last so, um, Carlton game on the weekend was probably even better. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Carlton really stuffed themselves though, didn't they? Two weeks oh, in a row. I feel bad. Oh, no, I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, before, like as we kind of get towards the end here, I yep. want to actually flip it um, and ask you for someone who is looking to get into um, a career within um, yep. within mortgage broking or within finance and in property. Um are you able to give a bit of advice around what pathway is best to go down or, or a bit of a, a look into what actually um, yep. the kind of stuff that they would be doing and to see if someone's interested? Yeah, look, it's a, I think it's a great career um, and you technically don't need a uni education to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is nothing at uni that can teach you to be a mortgage broker, for instance. Yep. Um, I did a human movement personal training degree. Yeah. Didn't, didn't quite work out, Daddy. But, uh, so that's, that was my degree. I had a marketing degree as well, but... Um, and then just got into finance. I just learned under someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always good with maths and numbers, so and an interest in property. Mm-hmm. That's all I had at the time, and I've just developed and I've just worked hard. It's like um, you just got to put yourself out there in mortgage yeah. broking. You've got to meet as many people as I can. I don't mind going out for a lunch to network. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe too much. Um, but the current awards night. Current awards night. Yeah. Um, but the career path is is really quite good. We've got a young guy at the moment, Jack, who I think's he's only twenty three. He's, he's had a bit of experience elsewhere, but he's mm-hmm. just going to be a gun. He just, he puts him, there's a lot of young people that don't put themselves, they don't work as hard as I yeah. think they need to. Yeah. This guy's just going to be, he's working late, he's, he's studying, he's learning products. So yeah, good. to be a mortgage buyer, you've just got to know a few products. Um, they change all the time mm-hmm. and you've just got to be able to communicate with people yeah. and really just give a shit. You know, all, yeah. the, all the people at our office really care. Yeah, awesome um, bunch of people there. It's a it's a really rewarding job. Like yeah. you don't have to. It's, there's not many jobs like we have that is free. You, you spend you can spend a year dealing with a client and get right in the highs and lows of yeah. missing out on property. Yeah, and then at the end of it, they don't even pay you anything. And yeah. you, you're giving them so much good advice, yeah. and they're so thankful. Um, it, it is really a really good job where you can do that for people yeah. and rewarding. They, they love you, and you know. And then we give them. We we still give them like gifts and that where they 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 say. We should be giving you gifts, guys. Yeah. Well, I think it, it it'd be um it'd be a rewarding feeling knowing that you were, you made the experience of someone purchasing a home um so so much more enjoyable and actually being actually part of their yeah. experience with them as well. 
because you know it's, it's not just that easy to go get a home loan there's especially some of my clients we've got self-employed it's very intricate the way yeah. that the, the financials look mm-hmm. and so you've got to you know once once a bank's seen something they can't unsee it so you've got to make sure there's a lot of a bit of an art form into how we put our deals together mm-hmm. and make sure that you know i've got i've got the most amazing guy with me hume he's been with me 10 years so awesome. he's he's the little guru he just gets in there and just yeah. presents it to the bank in the best way and yeah they just don't ask any questions mm. and that's what you want when you put in an application in that it just goes <laughs> through the first go yeah um because yeah it's it's really important for a lot of people to you know i've got a lot of clients who want to keep buying and you've got to present like i said you've got to present the right way so that <clears throat> they give you the money one last thing to finish off with um you just touched on it and um i've seen it firsthand as well how uh how strong of a community you guys have in at yeah. Entourage and how, how um, close all the, the staff are and how good of a workplace it is. Is there certain values that you try and um, instill within the staff there and, and try and portray yourself to, to be able to build that community? Because, I mean, it's got to be yeah. – it can be can be hard to do, particularly when you have, you know, just one person not on the same page. So how yeah. do you kind of – Like everyone throws around the word culture and, you know, we do have a bloody good culture, I think. I think Paul Ruse from the Swans, he used to have this no dickhead policy. He sat in your spot not long ago. Did he? He did. Paul? Oh, yeah. There you go. Shout out to Paul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but he had like, and I think at the footy club, he just said everyone would be equals. And that's what we kind of are. Like we don't have, well, there's a lot of country people in the, in the workforce mm. and they just, I don't know, they, they just really care about the clients and they care about each other. So in my world, in Broken, it, you can get a bit competitive with commissions, but mm. They're not. They kind of. They all make good money, but they all look after the, each other's deals as well if they need yeah, to. Yeah, cool. So every client, whether it's mine or Vinny's or you know Candice's or Natas, whatever, that they'd still do the work for me or, as or if each it's other. Their own if deal. It's, yeah. Even though they don't get paid for that yeah, deal. Yeah. That's kind of what we've created, and just they care. like I know a lot of my guys almost don't sleep because the deals like in their mind about mm. not getting it done they, mm. they stress for the clients if it's not if it's a hard one. They really buy into they to do the process. Yeah, and that's just. There's no magic for that. It's just the people that we've hired. Just all good people. That's awesome. Well, Damo, thank you, mate. Thanks Appreciate it. it. I'm glad we finally got it done. <laughs> yeah. um, and for everyone who's listening, uh, I'll have all the links to Entourage yeah. Finance's website and socials and whatnot in the show notes as well. And maybe if you've got any uh, further questions for Damo, um, yeah, I'll put your, your uh, contact details in yeah. there as well. I'll put your phone number. And get in touch with Damo. But thank you, mate. Appreciate no, thanks it. Thanks for having us. That's great. Absolutely. Cheers, pleasure. mate.